Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. We will be in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1, and I want to talk about when Jesus went one-on-one with the devil, the adversary, how he won, and how you can also walk in victory as well over the various temptations that come against your life. Praise God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, let's pray first. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures so that it's not just a history lesson, not just intellectual information, but let it be a living word so that we can take it and safely navigate so many of the spiritual icebergs that the enemy would place in front of our paths. Father, thank you for the illumination of your word and for your Holy Spirit making it food to us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit knew that the devil was going to come in a very crafty, well-thought-out attack. And because God is God, God knew that. And so the Holy Spirit needs to get Jesus ready for this big heavyweight match. It's a little bit like boxing, where you have two contenders <clears throat> excuse me, going up against each other, and there's going to be a clash. So before you have the big fight, you have preparatory training. And the Holy Spirit, who is Almighty God, knows everything. God is omnipotent, and He's omniscient, and He knows all things, and so He can get you ready. And He's going to get Jesus ready through the tried and true method of separating him, leading him into a remote, isolated place, and helping him to be quiet and to get into prayer and fasting. Woo! Praise the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, because the big showdown is coming, and Jesus is going to be ready. Praise God. Now, let me just say one more time that the Holy Spirit is an expert in preparing you for these clashes with the enemy. It's not like uh, you're going to have like a major throwdown like this every every month. This is just something that's very, very special. This is very important. And the devil is coming with all of his diabolical genius ability. And the Holy Spirit is going to make sure that Jesus is ready. And the Holy Spirit also will quicken you during those special times when you must withdraw and spend extra time alone with God, because it could be that he's able to see the attack that's on the way. Let's move on down now to verse 2. And after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Praise the Lord. Well, we all have a reserve within our bodies that even if you're a skinny person, you still have some reserves. And sometimes skinny people say, well, I can't, I can't fast, Pastor Stephen, I'm too thin. Well, if there's a medical situation, certainly uh, you would want to get your doctor's permission. But even skinny people have reserves, and you'd be surprised how, uh, how far you can go. But what has happened with Jesus is that after 40 days, he has now burned through all of uh, what we would call the body's natural reserves, fat reserves, praise God. And so after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, some people can get to that uh, place before 40 days. They don't have that many reserves. Some people can go longer. I've read multiple testimonies on the subject of extended fasting. One man, I think he was in Ireland, he went one year with no food, 365 days. And he was really, really overweight. His mom and dad owned a fish and chips restaurant, and he ate there all the time, and he got really large. But he went 365 days. 
He wasn't starting off to do that, but he just started off, and after 40 days, he, the weight's still coming off, and uh, he lost hundreds of pounds. And I'm sure, you know, got a, uh, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, cleansing and healing done in his arteries and his veins and all of that stuff, as well as many other places of, of his body. But after, after a year, he ate some food and then kind of resumed back into what you would call a normal life because uh, going with no food for a whole year, that's certainly abnormal. And, uh, but he was able to keep the excessive weight off after that and lived a good life. Praise the Lord. But my friends, at the end of your reserves, something kicks in and it's called hunger. And I don't know if you've ever been to that place before. I'm sure there's a few of you that would understand what I'm talking about. But when you are completely depleted, your body sends off a signal and it's called hunger. It means there's nothing uh, left to, to burn. There, there is nothing else that the body has to work with at all. Your system has been completely gone through, and every bit of uh, fat, every bit of, uh, uh, you know, maybe the body is so, it's so amazing how God designed our bodies that once it works through fat, if there's bad stuff, say like tumors or cysts or things like that, the body knows switch over to that now. But if there's nothing left to switch over to that's bad or that can't be consumed, such as fat, then your body goes into a very much survival mode. And remember, your brain, everything's working around your brain with your physical body. So your physical brain uh, is basically like, I've got to stay alive, so we have to sacrifice something else. So Jesus is now at a very vulnerable place where he has used up all fat reserves. And by the way, when you hit that spot, a hunger kicks in, uh, unlike anything you've ever experienced before. You you become so so hungry, and listen to me very carefully. If you ever get to that point, you only have a very thin window. You have only a very short amount of time to get food intake, or your body will switch into full-blown starvation, and it'll start cannibalizing your body. Your body will start to consume itself. Usually the first thing, if, if there's nothing else to work with, it's going to be the heart, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's very, very dangerous. Oh, guess what? That's when the devil shows up. Woo! You know, that's on purpose. Well, Pastor Stephen, he just happened to arrive at that time. Oh, no, he's standing back in the distance <laughs> watching. <laughs> he plays so dirty, and he, he's very smart. Don't ever uh, think that the devil is like uh, some kind of, uh, uh, you know, uneducated type thinker or something like that. He's very, very smart. He is a fallen archangel. Not just an archangel that was that is now fallen, but he was also a covering cherub. So now we understand that he is defeated, and that because we are in Christ, he's beneath our feet. But don't ever mistake him for being some kind of a pushover. He is very, very smart. He is, I would even say, superhuman, crafty, and uh, he can really bring the goods when he brings the attack. And we need to be aware of how he operates. Now. Jesus was, he was hungry and the tempter came and said to him, notice he's called the tempter. He came to Jesus and said to him, if you are the son of God. Now I, I know that when we see the word, if, if often denotes doubt. And sometimes, you know, uh, I've heard theologians or preachers say that really Satan is trying to create doubt in the mind of Jesus, that he really is the son of God. I don't think I don't think that's really what he's trying to do here. Now he says, if you are the son of God, I mean the devil, the devil knows he's the son of God. Remember these two remember each other. And uh, uh, Jesus knows where he came from. Before he came to the earth, he was the son of God. And from eternity past, he was always known as the word. And God, the father, son, and Holy Spirit, uh, you know, God created Lucifer. But Lucifer rebelled, got thrown out of heaven. So it's not like they don't know each other. And so although Jesus has now, as the Son of God, been born into the earth, and he's taken on flesh and blood, and he's now a human, uh, this is not like they haven't met before, okay? So he's, he's coming from a different angle. And, and watch this. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I want to ask you a question. Jesus is in a place of critical, desperate need for food. So, if you stand back and look at the angle of how this temptation is coming in, there is a part of it where you can ask, um, hey, what's wrong with this? I mean, what's wrong with turning the stones into bread? I mean, after all, Jesus, you're hungry. And I'm sure the devil was putting on the heat because stop and think about it just with your natural mind. You're out in the wilderness. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's no grocery stores. There's no supermarkets. There's no convenience stores like, you know, like right down the block or something like that where you can go in and get a fried burrito, right? <laughs> or, so, or something like that, or a bag of chips and a, and a soft drink, right? You don't have anything like that out there. So your, your natural mind would say, you know, I'm in trouble. I, I, I need some food and there's, there's no food out here. Praise the Lord. So the enemy is presenting something to him that in some ways you could think, well, what's wrong with that? Why not just command these stones to become bread? And that's what we want to talk about uh, today. You know, let me give you an example of what we're dealing with here in this specific temptation. In the early 1900s, right around, you know, 1910, actually a little bit before that, probably 1909, Pentecost, or the Spirit-Filled Experience, came to North Carolina. And it came because certain ministers, mainly those that were involved in the holiness movement, heard about what was happening in Los Angeles at the Pentecostal outpouring known as Azusa Street. So you had ministers from South Carolina, and particularly North Carolina, my home state, go to California to be in those meetings to receive what God was doing there. And of course, many were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, They spoke in other tongues, and they received gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they went back to their home states. And you had certain ones come back to North Carolina and begin to present the gospel that we would call the full gospel message. And, uh, you know, many were very thrilled about this and excited about it. It was, it was new for many. It was a deeper experience with God that many were wanting to move into. Here's the challenge, though. You had some of those ministers here in North Carolina, even after, after Pentecostal experience of... Now, now, remember, when I say Pentecostal and speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is just the initial... Uh, immersion of the Spirit. This is not like you've reached the top of the mountain. This is the initial touch and empowerment of God so that you can come up against these things that are going to come against you. And so there are quite a few Pentecostal ministers in the early 1900s who, uh, in their pulpits, hammered against the uh, nasty nicotine and the nasty plant of tobacco and the smoking of tobacco. And they would really preach against smoking. And this, this was even before we discovered about cancer and things like that. But they would preach, smoking's not good. And they would really hammer it from the pulpit. Guess what would happen after Sunday was over and Monday morning would roll around? Quite a few, quite a few of those exact same preachers were back out on the farm on Monday growing tobacco. And the very thing that they're preaching against, they're actually engaged in. So they're undercutting their message. And even though they're saying the right thing, and in, and in essence, maybe doing the right thing, there's something absent in the punch, no matter how much you shout, no matter how much you sweat when you preach, if you're not living it, uh, the Holy Spirit's not going to come on that message with power. Praise the Lord. So this is why We have to be very, very careful in what we do, such as turning stones into bread. We have to be very, very genuine with this. Praise God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Let me give you an example. Let's go further. Turn the stones into bread. A couple of years back, there was a minister. Now, he's finished his course. He's in heaven now. Really good minister, true prophet. And although he lives in America, or did live in America, and he was a bishop over many churches, while he lived in America, he would have to travel 
quite often to other countries to check on the many churches that were beneath his uh, apostolic oversight. And he ran into something very interesting in one African church while he was out on the field visiting all the churches. Well, he went to this one church, and it was in a very uh, war-torn area. Although the church had been established and was functioning for several years, you know, all of the economic stress, all of the things that a war causes, and, uh, you know, elements of famine, and also very hard to find what you would call stable employment. All of that is circulating, all of these hardships. So something had taken place in the church, and while the pastor knew that what had taken place wasn't really right, he didn't know how to deal with it, nor did the elders. So when the bishop came, the pastor and the elders presented their uh, situation to the bishop. Now, here's what the situation was. Because of the present difficulties within the church and hard-to-get work and economic pressure, we're, we're talking real economic pressure, and people, you know, uh, wondering how they're going to meet their needs and so forth. Several of the ladies in the church compromised. They looked at their situation. They compromised, and they went into prostitution. And you may think, oh, Pastor Stephen, how can something like that happen even in the church? Well, it happened. And guess what? The ladies that were doing this justified it, and they even brought their tithes into the church, and they would put their tithes in the offering baskets, and the elders would collect it and bring it, and the pastor would pray over it, and the pastor was just like, something's uh, horribly wrong with this, and uh, I'm not sure, quite sure how to do uh, what I'm supposed to do about this situation. So the bishop showed up, and they presented it to him, and they said, what are we supposed to do? Are, should we take their offerings? Because it's like, should we take their tithes? Because we have so little money right now, we're all in survival mode, and we're feeling great pressure to accept this. We're feeling great pressure to do this thing, and we have needs. Now, remember, Jesus was on the verge of starvation. No food. No food for 40 days. His reserves are completely out, and he, is, he, he could feel that pressure. Look, I've heard theologians say that this whole thing was like a farce, that this was like a fake temptation, that Jesus was God and it was impossible for him to sin. Uh, well, those theologians are grossly mistaken. This was a real temptation to Jesus who was 100% man and he could feel it. Oh yes, he was God at the same time, but he has also now become man and he's feeling it. And this is a real temptation coming against him. Well, back to the story with the church in Africa. The bishop wisely said, men, let us fast for, I think it was two or three days, and let's seek the Lord for his wisdom. Because even if you go in there and say something's not right about this, we're going to shut this off. Well, there, it needs to be done the right way, and there needs to be scripture, and there needs to be uh, you know, healing and restoration and forgiveness, repentance, and all this stuff. So he says, let's just fast and pray and seek God. Well, he fasted and prayed. And the, the Holy Spirit gave him a very unusual verse. Would you like to hear what it is? It comes from the Torah, Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verse 18. You shall not bring the fee of a prostitute or the wages of a dog into the house of the Lord your God in payment for any vow, for both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. So you cannot allow the prostitute to bring an offering in and say, well, this is the tithe, though, or to bring an offering in and say, well, this is for the Lord's work. <laughs> no, it's, it says in Scripture, that is an abomination to the Lord. So uh, the bishop shared that, and basically because of the Scripture and the teaching of the Word revealed that this is unacceptable. We can't have, we, we can't sanction prostitution in the church. We all know this is wrong, but we're also not accepting that money. And so, um, well, Pastor Stephen, now th this is serious stuff. What happened to that pastor and those elders and those people in the church? Did they all starve and die? No, the bishop came in and taught them how to stand on 
on the covenant of the Lord so that your food and your water are met and that God takes care of your needs and that as you worship the Lord, God will provide for you and you don't have to degrade yourself, dishonor yourself or do something stupid uh, that the devil would try to get you into because of pressure that would make you compromise. You don't have to compromise at all. Hold to God's word and God's principles and God will get you through anything. Praise God. Well, of course, there were some ladies in the church that need to repent it. I uh, need to repent. And there were, of course, men that need to repent also, you know, for, you know, kind of like going along with it and, you know, because of their need and so forth. E- even stop and think for a moment about the, the Pentecostal preachers in Carolina that were growing uh, tobacco. Because certainly they were justifying it doing the same thing. that They would say, well, hey, yeah, we're going to preach against it, but what are we supposed to do for a living? It's not like we can do anything else. There's not, there's not any industry out here. These are the rural areas of North Carolina. The only income, the only way to make a living seems to be to grow tobacco. And then, you know, we, we grow it and we dry it out. And then people smoke it. What else are we supposed to do? Surely God understands. Yeah, God understands that's called compromise. He understands they were compromising. And if you compromise and give the enemy an inch, he's got you. He'll come in. He'll come in. By the way, you don't want the devil in your life in any way. He brings this thing called chaos, (laughs) which is awful. He will blow into your life with chaos and he'll make your life awful. So you want to walk very closely with the Lord and watch out because the enemy is very, very sneaky on trying to get you to compromise in certain areas where you can, you could try to like rationalize. Well, yeah, surely God understands. Yeah. I'm starving out here. There's no grocery stores yet. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Devil, you're right. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. But he didn't do it. Did he? That's not what took place. By the way, the reference here in Deuteronomy 23, uh, verse 18, referring to the prostitute and also to the dogs. The dogs uh, is an analogy there. That's not talking about real dogs that run around on four, you know, four legs or four feet, four paws, actually. That's actually the word paws is a, excuse me, dogs is a reference to uh, those that were being involved in the pagan practices of temple cult prostitution. By the way, that's what verse 17 is talking about, where God told the children of Israel, don't let any of your sons or daughters uh, ever be prostitutes or be involved in this ritual cult type worship. It's an abomination. And that is what was taking place in all of the surrounding heathen nations around the Jewish Israeli people. And all of these other heathen nations, they worship their gods, but at the temple of their gods, you could go and bring an offering, but as you brought an offering, there would also be uh, cult prostitutes there, men that were involved in sodomy, women that were involved in prostitution, and that was also considered uh, part of their worship to their God. And so that's what's being referenced to as dogs. Don't have anything to do with the prostitution and don't have anything to do with these uh, the sodomites or these other things that the Bible calls perversion. Stay completely, completely away from it. And we also see that in Revelation 22, verses 14 through 15, where that we know outside of the gates of heaven, we are told by the Lord Jesus, that's where the dogs are at. All those that are liars, all those that are sexually immoral, all of those that are the unbelievers, all of those that are outside of Christ, they are referred to through the, uh, the analogy of being dogs. Praise God. Amen. Now, there are certain things that are wrong because if you accept it, if you accept it because of desperate need or desperate hunger or whatever it might be, then your acceptance also basically says that you approve the means by which is which is it is being done. So this is a very tactile uh, temptation, well thought out by the devil to try to get Jesus to compromise in this area in a very depleted state that he's now in. So really, what is this temptation if we boil it all down that's going on right here? It is a temptation for you to get done through to get whatever it might be done through a method that God has not authorized for you to use. Mm, mm, mm. Be very, very careful. God through the Holy spirit never told Jesus to turn those stones 
into bread. Well, how else is he supposed to eat out there? That's up to God to reveal. But Jesus is not going to do something that God has not instructed him to do. By the way, did you ever notice how pushy the devil is? Very, very pushy, especially when you're weak. Just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and turn these stones into bread. Go ahead and do it. There's ample justification for it. Just do it. Just do it. He's very pushy. The devil's kind of like the person when you're driving down the road at the speed limit and you're comfortable, you're enjoying your drive, and somebody comes right up behind you tailgating you like a raving maniac. They can't perhaps get around you because maybe you're on a, uh, a one-way lane and you can't, you can't uh, move over and they can't pass. So you're driving the speed limit, but they come right up behind you. That's just like the devil. And, you know, maybe honking or flashing their lights and you're going 60 at the, at the speed limit, but they want to go 85. So they can't get around you. So what do they do? Try to push you, try to push you. And of course, if you were to yield to that and try to speed up, well, I'll just speed up for a while because they're driving me crazy. Guess who will probably get the ticket? You would, you'd, you'd get the ticket. And the cop would catch you on the radar, and uh, the, the lunatic behind you, uh, you know, would go off and somehow you know, not be seen or something like that. Don't let the enemy push you into doing something that would cause you to compromise on anything. Glory to God. He's very, very pushy, especially when you're weak. This is his operating style. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, you stop and you think about Moses. God told him to speak to the rock, and he struck it. And the water still came out, didn't it? But see, on that occasion, the Holy Spirit, God, did not authorize, did not authorize Moses to strike the rock. Well, yeah, but Pastor Stephen, the water still came out. Well, I have a feeling that if Jesus would have commanded those rocks, those stones to become bread, I have a feeling it would have happened. But how many of you know, it's game over for the destiny now. The devil got him. But the devil didn't get him because Jesus knew exactly what was going on. And Jesus knew, I'm not authorized to do this, and I'm not going to do it. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you do it, even if it works and you do it anyhow, but you're not authorized to do it, the enemy has you. So you want to be very, very careful in this area. This is high pressure, temptation, glory to God. They are pre-planned attacks. That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit in your life, working in your life. Praise God. Let's continue on. Back we go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, praise God. Now, He answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you actually live by the word of God. Hmm. You live by the rhema of God. Praise the Lord. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the word there is rhema. So it has to be a living word. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And that's what gives you life, and that's what gives you strength, and that's what gives you victory. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, here we go to the next one. Then the devil took him to the holy city. Let's stop there just for a moment. The devil took him. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm not going on with you. I know who you are. You're a crazy person. I ain't going with you. Notice the devil took him. Mm-mm. There are some things you can't avoid. There are certain temptations that even though you pray and even though you fast, uh, there are some things that God has prepared you for. And this, this is what is the difference between holiness and innocence. Holiness has been tested and you resisted the temptation. Okay, so innocence is you're just pure and sweet, but you've never really run up against anything. You're sweet, you're innocent, but holiness is totally different. Holiness is the devil threw it at you, presented it in his very best ability, and you said no. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. So he took him. 
Pastor Stephen, I'm going, to rem- I'm going to move to a remote island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with nobody on the island because I'm tired of temptation and I want to get away from the devil. Oh, he'll be on the island. Tr- trust me. He'll, and he doesn't need a boat. He, don't need, he doesn't need an airplane. He just has this ability. Remember, remember he's a spirit being. <laughs> you know, so a spirit being can just, you know, they can do things that a physical human can't. So sooner or later, trust me, he'll show up on that island. And it wouldn't surprise me if day one he's there to greet you. He, he's, uh, he's the tempter. Now, God will n- never allow you, you to be tempted with more than you can bear. But yeah, he can get around. The enemy can get around. Pastor Stephen, I, I have a different strategy. I'm going to lock myself in a monastery with castle walls that are three feet thick. How many of you know that a spirit being can go right through the walls? You know Jesus can. You know angels can. Well, the old devil can too. He can walk right through a wall. And if, if for whatever reason he has a green light from heaven to come, um, I mean, he obviously has that green light here. He's, got the, he's coming and he's bringing the temptation don't think that you can somehow avoid everything. Now, we ask God to lead us away from temptation. Uh, we're certainly not going to walk into something. I have no desire to walk down to the bar, walk into the bar and sit there and just try to run into some good old temptation. No, I no, I no desire to do that. Neither do you. But should it come, be ready because God will strengthen you and he will get you through it. Praise God. Amen. So he took him. And Jesus couldn't say, oh, I, I, no, I'm not going along for this. No, the devil had this uh, permission or whatever to tempt him, just like he tempted Adam. Now, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle. Ooh, that must have been the ability to go up in the sky, to go up in the air. And we see that in Scripture. He is called the prince of the power of the air. Okay, so he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now, when you go to Jerusalem and you go on tour, and I hope that you come on tour with me at our upcoming tour, more information on the website that that you can uh, find out about our tour to Israel in May of 2022. But you can actually see that when the temple was torn down and that upper uh, pinnacle area, that, that is also where the uh, one of the priests would blow the trumpets announcing the various feasts and so forth. But many theologians believe that's actually also where uh, Satan took Jesus and that, that high pinnacle has now actually been thrown down. And you can see it. Praise the Lord. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down... For it is written. Oh, how about that? Look at the devil go. Quoting scripture. Woo! Quoting a Bible. Look at the devil go. Would you believe such a slick, smooth, uh, I mean, he's quoting the Bible. And he's quoting it really good. He's even quoting it accurately. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands... They will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Mm, Praise the Lord. Here we have a very dangerous thing where this element of prove yourself, you know, uh, show us who you really are. Show us what you've got, Jesus. And of all things, the devil quoting scripture. Now he's quoting out of context, and I would say he's doing something even way more sneakier than that. It's not just quoting out of context. And I want to talk about this different angle that he is now taking. Mm-mm. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Let me give you an example. I was at the home of an esteemed prophet some years back. At that time, some people said that perhaps he was the greatest prophet in the earth at that time. I'm not sure. It's a big planet. But I know one thing. He was known around the world as a true prophet of God. I'm sitting at his house. My wife and I were there with he and his wife. And he told me about the time that there was a mission trip, a certain church that he knew, knew the pastor, and knew all those in the mission department and stuff like that. That church was going to take a mission group some of the people in the church were going to take a mission group overseas to a certain African nation. And uh, they were going to preach the gospel, bring the young people and preach the gospel. Sounds good, right? Sounds real good. And this prophet 
was warned by God to warn the pastor, warn the adults, warn the parents, this trip, if you take this trip, it will end in horror. Don't do it. And he pleaded with them, don't do this. You know what they said? Oh, oh, but we have Psalm 91, and the Lord will protect all these young people, and should anything happen, well, well that, that's all right, because the angels of God will protect us. And they quoted Psalm 91. How about that? And this prophet told me that when he saw that they were not going to listen to him, and saw that they could not distinguish a rhema word from the logos word, you know, he knew they were in trouble. And he said, God, he said, I'm praying for this group that's leaving anyhow on this mission trip. He said, Lord, two of them are my spiritual sons. And they're all going to die unless you intervene. I'm asking you, please at least have mercy on my two spiritual sons. That group got over there claiming Psalm 91. We're quoting Psalm 91. No matter what happens, we're here to preach gospel. That's what God wants us to do. And the angels will protect us. They got over there and got caught in the middle of a coup, a governmental overthrow. And some bad people rose up, grabbed some machetes, killed all of the young people, chopped them up in pieces, and threw their parts into the river and fed them to the crocodiles. Pastor Stephen, they're quoting Psalm 91. Guess who else quotes Psalm 91? The devil. And you have to be able to discern what is faith, what's foolishness, and what's presumption. Well, I just presumed, I just presumed that God would protect those people, Pastor Stephen, and I just presumed that God will do the same for me. Oh, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to presume that that word is for you. But did the Holy Spirit speak that word to you? Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm standing on the word of God. That's a big book. What part of it are you standing on? Well, I'm standing on all of it. Did God speak all of it to you all at the same time and expect you to walk all of it out today within a 24? I, I, I mean, the rhema word is that specific living word that the Holy Spirit has breathed upon and given life to you. You can't just go through the Bible claiming scriptures. I claim that one. Ooh, I like that one. I claim that one. Yeah, that's good. I claim that one too. Mm-hmm. That, that's real good. The devil the devil knows with Christians like that, eventually he can get them. He can get them because why? They don't know how to get into the word and get that living word. So if the devil can fake them out with a fake, oh, but Pastor Stephen, how can it be fake when it's God's word? Because God didn't speak it to them. And if he didn't speak it to you, and you're about to walk into something that's over your head. Mm, it's not going to go good. You know what I call that? I call it fake faith. Woo! And it's still circulating pretty strongly through the body of Christ. Now, I don't want you to be paralyzed. I don't want you to be worried that you can't make big decisions because you're going to make a mistake. But I'm saying that on, especially on big things or very important things, or if you're on the front lines, ministering the word, like, like that young people trying to go over there and minister the word, you really should have some guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit and not just try to grab things and claim things and stand on this and stand on that. No, you need to, you need to know what you're doing, where you're going, and be able to discern that witness, that leading of the Holy Spirit, especially should the world's foremost prophet speak to all of you and say, this is going to end in complete disaster. You're all going to get killed. Well, uh, you go sit down, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. We're the next generation, and we got the angels protecting us. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was at a conference one time. I could tell you stories like this. I could sit down with you for hours and tell you stories like the one I'm about to tell you. 
I was at a conference one time overseas, powerful, powerful conference. I wasn't the only speaker, but I was one of the main speakers and uh, had a great, had a great conference. The conference wraps up. And when it's over, there was a man and his wife from an, a neighboring country. I won't say which one. They were very wealthy. He and his wife were very wealthy. And they said, Stephen, we want you to come and minister in our nation at our church. And it will be a gigantic crowd. And the offering will be tremendous. Please come. Please come. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you must have booked your ticket. You must have been ready to roll. Something didn't seem right. I went to the conference host who knew that couple. This man, the conference host, is a true apostle and a personal friend. In privacy, I asked him, hey, what's your take on that couple over there and their church and in the neighboring nation and their ministry? He said, Pastor Stephen, he said, I wouldn't touch it if I were you. I said, thank you. That's all I need to know. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Oh, Pastor Stephen. Mm -mm. That that doesn't move me. Mm -mm. My friends, that's the devil saying, jump, jump. No, 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 no. Do not test the Lord. And you do that through silly, presumptuous acts that we call faith. It's not faith. Mm -mm. No. Oh, when they saw that that wasn't really moving me, that couple, they went and asked another minister that spoke at the conference. Same thing they offered him. Dangle the big money. Mm -hmm. Dangle it out in front of him. Guess what? He went. Oh, pretty sharp guy too. But he, he even asked, he even went and asked the conference host, what's your take on him? Oh, I wouldn't do it. He didn't care. He's going to go do it. He's not going to turn that down for nothing. I won't say who he is. <laughs> He's had some rough times since then, which could be expected when you do silly things like that. And uh, even the conference host told me, he said, yeah, he asked me too. And he said, he went. Guess what? He went, spoke at that meeting, and almost died. He, he, he almost died. I, I, if I'm correct, I, maybe he even did, and they had to bring him back to life. And uh, he barely got out of there with his life. Why? He's in disobedience. Now, I can, I can only imagine what would happen if he'd have died. Oh, we have heard that brother so-and-so, a minister of the gospel, a Pentecostal preacher, has died in a foreign land preaching the gospel. Surely he's a martyr, and Jesus gave him the martyr crown. No, he would not have had a martyred crown. He would have had an idiot crown. I, I, I believe he would have gone to heaven. He's a child of God, good minister, could flow in the gifts of the Spirit. But that, that thing of jump, that, that was too appealing to him because of what was involved. Surely God understands. God, I have a ministry budget to need, uh, to meet. Lord understands the needs of the ministry, and they're going to give me a good offering. I'm going. Despite clear warnings, clear warnings, mm, mm, mm. personal exhortations not to do it. <laughs> Woo! I heard a preacher one time stand up in the meeting. And say, you know, some of you just need to take a risk and go out and open up your own business, even if you don't really know what to do, and just trust God and just throw yourself in the arms of God. And if it doesn't work out, trust Him to catch you. I thought, well, you might as well just be the devil standing up telling people to go jump off of a cliff, and hopefully an angel will bear you up and catch you before you hit the rocks. But that's not going to happen. You're going to hit the rocks. And in the financial realm, that's called bankruptcy. Mm-mm. Can you imagine a preacher saying something like that? Uh, I mean, it's like he's just letting the devil speak right through him. And this this stuff, wow, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. Woo, the devil, he's smart. He's sharp. He's been around for thousands of years. And he knows how to try to come against the human intellect. He knows your weaknesses. And he will try to hit in these areas. But Jesus, it's just too much for him. Mm-mm. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. Wow. Praise God. Look at this scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. This is Samuel the prophet speaking to Saul. 
who's completely blown it already as a king. He's already made a major mistake, a mistake that's so big, uh, he, he can't recover from it. It's, it's so bad. And the prophet goes to him. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? My friends, you can never substitute for obedience, no matter whatever types of things you do. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Now listen to this, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. Oh yes, Pastor Stephen, that's of the devil. Stay away from rebellion. That's only what rebels do. And presumption, presumption, jump. God will work it out. Brother, just go for it. God will take care of it. Presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Wow. Wow. Presumption. Well, God's in this. Are you sure? Well, I sure think so, brother. Let's go. I have to know. And unless God speaks to me, I'm not going. I'm not going. There was a minister, very famous, died in a plane crash uh, only a couple of years ago. It was all over the news, even the secular news, all over the Christian world. Famous minister, Pentecostal minister, died in a plane crash. And people said, oh, oh, how could, how could that have happened? Well, there's various reasons why it could have happened. But I do know that there was one man, uh, I won't say who he is, but there was one man that was not even a preacher that went to get on the plane and the Holy Spirit said, don't get on this plane. And so he, he backed out, backed out and uh, said, I'm going to take a commercial flight. I'm, I'm not getting on the plane. And they all looked at him with a puzzled look. You know, when you are a world famous preacher and you have your entourage, it's very difficult for your entourage who sees you as the great man of God to ever speak anything to you that could be a word of like, uh, maybe I wouldn't say correction, but a word of like, uh, hey, man of God, something's not right, because they all expect him to be right all the time. And if he's off or he's, in, uh, he's being pushed or he's like, well, you know, you know there's a big storm we're flying into and... Uh, that's stretching the maximum range limit of the aircraft, but God will work it out. Let's go. Well, it didn't work out. They crashed. They were running extremely low on fuel just before they crashed, flying into a major storm. And so you have, you have all this stuff coming together, and that's usually what happens. There's usually almost impossible for there to be one mistake. Usually when there's a, a plane crash, it's multiple errors all compiling together that create a sequence of events that lead to the tragedy. But one guy said, I'm not getting on that plane. And he wasn't even a preacher. He said, the Holy Spirit showed me, do not get on that plane. And he wasn't even a minister. How about that? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Stephen, he should have just gone ahead and got on that plane and God would have covered it because the angels are with that plane. Uh, you cannot you cannot take a scripture and try to just make it work for you if the Holy Spirit has not given that scripture to you. That's presumption. Well, it's in the Bible, and it lines up with God's will, and it's even in the New Covenant. I've got three verses in the New Testament that back that up. Yes, yes, that's all there. That's ink on paper. Did the Holy Spirit speak it to you? Mm, mm, mm. Very few people would jump off of a cliff. But, but you have to understand that the enemy is doing this to try to get the Lord to act on a word that is not a word to him. And he'll try to do the same thing to you. He's a master tactician. Mm, 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 mm. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's continue on. Let's continue on. There's one more to go. And at this point, the pressure cooker is now on the devil. At this point, the Lord has denied two of them. He is overcome through the anointed word, the rainbow word of God. That's what he's responding with. Not just, he's not just responding with blanket scriptures. He's responding with the rainbow words. 
and it's hurting the devil. And now, when you read this next temptation, you see something in the devil that you've never seen before. And you know what it is? Desperation. Cold, sweaty desperation. He's running out of options, and he knows it. And you know what he does next? What he's going to do next, because he's, he, he can only pull so much out of the, you know, his, his artillery. What he's going to do next, because he's losing, is basically he's just going to offer it all. And it's brazen. It's crude. If I can use this word, it's actually vulgar. But my friends, this is vulgar desperation. And he's going to throw it all at him because <laughs> this is his only, this is his last big shot. Watch what he does. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'm sure he showed him the Roman Empire. I'm sure he showed him the, the Chinese dynasty. I'm sure he showed him all of the wealth of South America and all of the Inca gold and all of these things, all these empires around the world. So the devil took him to a very high mountain. And, and look, Jesus couldn't say, hey, I'm not going, I'm had it. I'm not going along with you on any more trips. Nope. The temptation is not over with yet. And the devil is rightfully going to squeeze out of this all that he can. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. Now, we are aware that in the gospel of Luke, also Luke chapter 4, that the devil actually says there, he says, all these I will give you because it's been given to me. And we know that the person that gave it to him was Adam. Adam compromised. Adam gave in and Satan came in and he took all of that authority that originally was invested into Adam. Mm -mm. But see, the, the devil's stuff worked on Adam. It worked on Adam and Eve. But thus far, it's not working against the Lord. All these I will give you. There's one kavit. If you will fall down and worship me. That's so vulgar. I mean, he's desperate now. I mean, th this is just, this is just crude idolatry. This is just crude worship. Hey, look, I'll give you all the stuff. You can ro run the whole planet, except you're going to be under my dominion and under my authority, but I'll let you have all this stuff. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. He's desperate. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, it's a living word, and it's like a sword, and it's hurting the enemy so bad. <laughs> then the devil left him completely defeated, completely flustered, completely demoralized. Like how, how he's just like, I, I don't understand it. It's worked on every single human in the last 4,000 years. So, um, my friends, these are things that you're going to run into. You must stand on the Word of God, the living Word. It's that living Word that gives you victory, not just a whole bunch of knowledge. And you're going to gain knowledge as you read the Bible, as you study the Bible, but it's the living words that put you over. That's what you live by. That's how you conduct your life. But it has to be a word spoken to you a word spoken to you. If it's not, if it's not, and you're trying to act on something that is not a living revelation to you, it's fake faith. It won't work. It won't work in a temptation, and it won't work when the rubber meets the road. Mm -mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, if you will not compromise, if you will not compromise, the Lord will take you into the fullness of what he has for you. And the enemy would present it like, well, if you do that, you're just going to die out here. You've got to do this. You've got to turn these stones in the bread. You're going to die out here. There's no stores. There's no food. Walk with God, refuse to compromise, and if God has to, if it requires it, he will send angels to minister to you. Woo, praise God. That's why you don't have to compromise. 
And the, the enemy is basically saying, if you, if you just compromise, worship me, you'll get it all. Well, Jesus is going to get it all anyhow, but he's not going to compromise to do it. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? He was going to get it all anyhow. He was going to win it all back the right way, the right way. Don't ever violate biblical morals or principles. And you may feel the pressure. I'm, I know the Lord did because this is the devil's bringing the heat and he knows how to do it. He can bring it. You can feel it. You may even sweat. Uh, I mean, I mean, he can bring it, but just stand on those words that give you victory. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This is why we've had so many Christians that have tried to present faith by standing on the word and doing this and confessing this and confessing that, or, you know, I've got the victory or this or that. And then it never, the prayer is never answered or they die or there's some kind of a, something that just went wrong. And then people are left wondering, Hmm, I wonder what happened. Well, what happened is they never got the word themselves. And when these temptations come, if you don't have the word, um, Wow, it's it's not going to be good. So you got to be very very sharp in these areas. Don't let the devil push you into compromising. Don't let him uh, get you into this place where you're in presumption, where you think this is of God. Yeah, we're going to do this. You need to know this is of God. Well, I'm not really sure, Pastor Stephen. Well, then you need to find out. Praise the Lord. Spend time with the Lord until you get that living word. Don't jump. I'm not saying don't jump off of a, you know, off of a cliff or something like that. Of course, don't do that. But don't jump either into something if God's not in it. Well, I think he is. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. You have to know, especially when it's big. Woo! This is how you live your life. By that living word. Praise God. I see victory coming to you through the rhema word of God, the living word of God. And I see substance. I see provision coming to those that refuse to compromise or bow. Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to have real financial problems if I don't give into the system. They're asking me to do this, and surely the Lord understands. Surely the Lord understands. Yeah, he understands that you don't really have a revelation that he's Jehovah Jireh. Oh, but I even, Pastor Stephen, I know the song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, da, 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 da. Yeah, that, that's nice. We all know the song and other songs as well. But if that's not a living word to you, it's just another song. It's more information. It's good stuff. But I tell you, it's got to be, it's got to be sharp, a sharp sword. Mm-mm. That's the only thing that backs the enemy off. And that's what will cut you through to victory. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody's about to get some angelic provision. It's, it's a lot better than the 7-Eleven. Hallelujah. It's better than the fried burrito. Hallelujah. That's been sitting there on the cooker for three days, turning over and over. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Glory. Glory. Glory, lift your hands. Glory, 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 glory to God. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for your grace, your anointing, your strength to overcome the enemy. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're you're ready to get your life right with God right now, Pray, pray this prayer after me and escape the dominion of Satan. Escape out of his kingdom. Come to Christ now. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, you died to save sinners, and I'm a sinner. Jesus, save me from my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you. And I turn from my sin. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. And those of you that have prayed that from your heart, Christ has saved you. You now belong to him. Live for him. Glory, glory, glory to God. Let's take Holy Communion. The devil's not going to 
pull another victory off on you. You're going to be ready. You're going to be ready. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. The Holy Spirit's getting you ready. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. We set it apart through this prayer. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the flesh of our Savior, that as we receive it, we thank you, O God, that the Holy Spirit is strengthening us. The Holy Spirit is making specific scriptures alive unto us. And God, we give you praise, and it's by those scriptures that we live. We give you praise. We thank you that faith is coming by the hearing of the rhema, living word. And by that we live. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Let's receive now, my friends, the body of Jesus. In his name, amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the mighty cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. All of our sins washed away. We ask, Father, if we have committed any sins, that you would forgive us now. Wash them away. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. And shield us, protect us, and deliver us from the evil one. And we thank you that you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Almighty God. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. My friends, before I say goodbye, we have a ministry need of a new camera. We have two cameras. One that you're watching me through right now is beginning to fail. And we've put a lot of hours on it. And I would say we have certainly gotten our money out of it. But it's starting to go at times. uh, It will go from full color into grayscale. I was recording a message for an audience in Asia just a couple days ago. And the camera just completely went uh, kind of haywire on us. And it can't be fixed. It's getting kind of old anyhow. So we need to step up to a new camera. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one just a little bit longer. I, I certainly don't trust it <laughs> because it's, it's already failed me several times this week. Seems to be holding together right now. But we need to phase it out and get a new camera. And I would really like to bring in a cinema camera that we can start streaming with that. Those are really nice, and they're pricey. Uh, the one I would like to get is $7,900. If you would like to contribute to that, why don't you sow a seed towards it? You can go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Uh, click on the giving link, and you're going to see a new category that I've just opened up, and this is for the camera. Now, I believe that we can get this quickly because we need it quickly. So all you have to do is just do what the Holy Spirit would place upon your heart to do. The, the price, all the bells and whistles, uh, all tax, everything, $7,900. And this would be the best camera that the ministry has ever had. And it's a cinema camera. And so we would use it not only, of course, for streaming in this studio, but we'll also take it with us when we take trips such as to Israel or other countries. I'm taking this camera with us so that we can record in cinematic mode. It's beautiful. It's nice. Praise God. You're actually seeing an image right now of our studio right here, Studio B. And uh, you can see the camera back in the corner. I'll pop up another image. Uh, there is the current camera uh, kind of towards the left up high. And uh, it served us faithfully. But my friends, let's take this opportunity of having a uh, camera beginning to go out on us and just step it up to something that would be a real blessing for the ministry. Do we need a cinema camera? Uh, we could probably get by with something less, but let's let's step into a, a, a new level. Let this be a new level. We've always had good gear, um, but let's step it up to a new level and bring a cinema camera in. Again, the cost is $7,900. If you would like to sew towards that, it would mean a lot. And if you would like to do something extra special, go ahead and just knock it out. Praise God. And once this budget is met, the moment this budget is met, I'm taking this off of the uh, the web link for giving. 
because it's not like we, we need to keep giving towards it because once it's done, it's done. Praise God. So let's knock it out quick. Thank you for your giving. Father, bless your people as they sow towards this immediate need so that we can stay in full color and go in into even better color. Thank you, Father. We're going from glory to glory, faith to faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the new camera. I believe I receive it for this ministry, for the preaching of the gospel. And I thank you, Father, that everybody that sows into this will see the fruits of their labor because every time they watch the midweek service, they will know they are looking through the very lens that they sowed towards giving and they are reaching, their seed is reaching multitudes of people. So, Father, we thank you that they have a part in the eternal rewards. And I just thank you, Father, that we can't, we can't preach it without a, a, a format and the tools to do that. And, and if we don't preach it, they can't hear it. And, Father, we thank you that we can't believe what we don't know. We can't, we can't receive what we're not aware of. So thank you, Father, everybody right now that's sowing into this cinema camera for the highest level of internet streaming the gospel. We give you praise. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Bless the seeds they're sowing. And thank you, Father, for shielding us and protecting us from the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.